going to welcome back the Ray Whisper, Eric Keller of the Porch. We'll talk about games one and games two of the Fall Classic. Great rebound win in game two for the Rays one Wednesday night after Clayton Kershaw was dominant for six innings in game one on Tuesday evening. Uh, we'll take a peek onto game three Friday with a great pitching matchup between Charlie Morton and Walker Bueller. And then games four and games five on a Saturday and Sunday, they'll they'll compete against some football. Right? And we'll be interested to see how those ratings do uh, after game seven of the National League Series wiped out the, uh, the Lakers winning the title in the NBA bubble. So we'll discuss that a little bit more with Eric. We'll also kind of get into the uh, the emergence of Randy Rosarena and how he's come on like a house of cards. And yes, that was intentional there uh, on the Rosarena pun. But when you come back, we're going to talk more about this World Series here with the Ray Whisper, and we might even get his take on the Mountaineer defense. I know he's been excited about that. So when you come back, you know what to do. Grab the coffee. If it's in the morning, Phil style. In the evening, grab the drink. More World Series conversation when you return here on the porch. What's going on there, Eric? Hey, how's it going? Oh, dude, I'm hanging in, brother. It's about 85 here, it feels like, man. It's like it's supposed to be the World Series, or are we in the dog days? You know? It's- no, I think we're, uh, we're, we got the Texas weather. They brought that heat up north. <laughs> That's right. Man, all the, all, all the globe, the globe life. I saw Kershaw. It's the grill. It's the oh, heat from the grill. It is, man. It's just, it's smoking hot. I swear Kershaw was wearing a damn parka there on, uh, <laughs> on Tuesday. And I'm like, how cold is it there? You know, <laughs> I mean, man, he hey, he threw the ball well, though. Ain't no doubt about that, though. Mm, that he did. That yeah. he did. Yeah. But mm, the last game, though, Ray's hey. jumping all over it. Yeah. I mean, you know, though, I, I was talking earlier in the week, Eric, and I said game two is the most important game for the Rays in the series. And I don't think it's I, – I don't – I still I still feel that way. I still feel like they had to win last night. Had they beat Kershaw in game one, that would have just been a huge benefit. But they couldn't lose last night. And you can kind of tell that Cash managed game one, especially after getting down, almost as if, okay, well, we'll give you this one. You've already got the lead and Kershaw's in the game. By throwing glass now 112 pitches like he did, because that's not the right way. Now he had all of his A-leverage guys ready for last night. Right. I mean, the right way is we're going to have a bullpen game. That's how we're going to beat them. And <laughs> – you know, I saw this uh, thing on StatCast about Dustin May and the uh, Dodgers. So, last night, he had seven faced seven batters in all the outs and hits that he gave up. All, every single one was either 92 or above, and five of them were the exit velo for the hitters were 100-plus. Yeah. I mean, so they, they, not were, they hit the ball hard off Dustin May. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's, that's an interesting point you bring up that, Eric, because it feels like that's kind of going to be one of the keys moving forward. How do they utilize the bullpen for the Dodgers versus how the Rays? Because the Rays are comfortable in how they do it. I feel like Dave Roberts right. is really kind of – he's – I feel like he's, he's trying, kind of wishy-washy on it. Yeah, exactly. He's trying too hard to make yeah. it work because if you look back in the regular season for the Dodgers, their four and five stars, I believe, combined for like a 2.35 ERA. And yeah, that I mean, all – you throw in Gonsolin and May and even yeah. a little bit of Urias in those different situations. Like, they're not used to that high leverage, like, all right, I only got one inning. 
I can just go out there and chuck it. And then when you start doing that, you get away from your your stuff because you're you're trying too hard. The pitchers, you know, they're like, well, I'm just going to throw gas instead of like, well, trust my stuff and I'll get through the innings. Exactly. I mean, like, I mean, you see, you, you see May last night did not obviously did not look good. He didn't look really that great in um in the out in an outing earlier in the year versus the Braves or um, you know in the in LCS. Then you throw in that he just threw on game seven a few innings, what three nights before. Mm-hmm. It's just and, and with the being with it being such young pitchers in May and Urias that you're doing that with, it it causes a little, like you said, confusion. It causes just a little bit of eh, you know, what what is what am I really trying to get out of these guys? And I don't think they're comfortable with it. As where the Rays, they know what they're doing. They know right. exactly how they're trying to do every little thing coming through. And it also kind of magnifies the fact that, I mean, do the Rays even have a fourth and a fifth starter? I don't think they do, Eric. Not you know? one that's not one that they would be comfortable throwing out there in a World Series or postseason matchup. Now they might yeah. go out there and throw out um, Yarbrough probably. I mean, right. he's going to get a bulk, a bulk, and maybe. I mean, Fleming though is going to be in a spot when they can. I would think they're going to try and get him in a spot where they don't have to necessarily worry as much about what's going on, or maybe if they have a lead in the series, they try right. and get some innings out of him. I um, mean, I think if you're the Rays, you go your top three starters with Snell, Glassnow, and Morton, and you have a bullpen game, and then you throw the top three again. I mean, they yeah. got that extra day of rest for today. I think that gives them enough time where they can do that. Well, you know, it's it's interesting you bring that up because – so, we, I mean, we know now – I mean, game three, technically neither team um, – I mean, we know it's going to be Bueller. We know it's going to be uh, Morton. Charlie Morton. Right. Game four, though, we don't have anything announced yet, um, which, I mean – If I'm the Dodgers on, on game four, I, th- I think I throw out Urias. Well, you, you know, it, I, I think you're right. I think you got to go Urias because he really hasn't been to this point used in the Series A. And B, right. you're hoping. I mean, unless they use him in Game Three, you know, to kind of piggyback with Bueller, because even Bueller hasn't thrown the amount of innings or the volume that you would anticipate him to do. Right. Um, and actually, Eric, I am looking here right now, and the Dodgers have announced that Urias is the Game Four starter. Um, Which is smart. And, I think he's got to. I think it's got to be Urias, Kershaw, and then yeah, Ker- Kershaw's Game Five. Which right. is interesting because yeah, you get that extra day off. So then Kershaw could potentially come back, you know, on I, – I, I mean, essentially, day off game six, he, he could essentially maybe throw a little bit in the game in the game seven. But there's just interesting – it's just a very interesting deal there with how they're going to use him as the – now Morton almost lines up perfectly for a game seven. We know how good Charlie Morton's been in game right. sevens in his career. Exactly. So, that's, that's what you're yeah. hoping for if you're raising and the – if the Dodgers win tonight or tomorrow night, then you're hoping that it goes game seven for the, the Rays where oh, you yeah, can throw absolutely. out Morton. Yeah. Now, so, Eric, let's kind of let's touch in here really. Let's go back to last night here a little bit here real quick. And I, I wanted to get on this, this topic of conversation because I was surprised by it. Even though it looked like the Rays were getting to Gosselin and were hitting balls hard off him, I just found it in, real interesting that, you know, yeah, Lau hit the home run. And mm-hmm. you know they had some had some loud outs, but that you took him out when you did. He only you only got four outs from Goslin, so you imagine they're going to use him again here in the next couple of days. But it right. just I just didn't understand it, and it only kind of prolonged and kind of uh, furthered the struggles that the Dodgers had last night in Game Two. 
Right. I mean, personally, I think that was kind of a not a very wise decision either. I think you got to let Gonsolin go out there. I mean, you look at what he did all season. Yeah, he gave up a run there in the first inning, but you can't take him out because he gives up one run. Now, if he was getting yeah. shelled, it, you know, I mean, he only gave up in his entire stat line. He gave up one hit, which was a home run and a walk. Yeah. And he pitched 29 pitches. I don't understand their logic in that. Whereas I didn't either. You know, if he, if he if he's out there, you know, he gave up a home run, he walked two guys, ended up getting double play, gave up another hit. Like, if he's out there just actually getting hit or just doesn't have his location, then sure, by all means, go ahead and take him out. It's a pivotal game. But for what he did, there's no way that, in my mind, is if I'm Dave Roberts, that I consider taking him out and making that a full-on bullpen game. No, not at all. I mean, you know, the, the cat man, as they've uh, easily chronicled him during the during the things, it's not like he's not an older – it's not even an older guy. You know, he's a younger guy, only throwing 30 pitches. It just – it didn't feel like the move that wins you game two and gets you a 2-0 series lead. And I think that's going to be – that's the big question with I have with a Robinson. feeling that that's where when, – when the Rays got Gonsolin out of the game, I feel like that's when they got a little bit of a – that mojo, that swag, they're like, yeah, all right, we we got it tonight. You know, yeah. we've already got their starter out. We got some confidence up on that. I mean, that just seems to me that being on the race side, that that's the type of mentality I would have as the race. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just wild to me, though, when it wasn't like Gosselin was necessarily getting – he wasn't laboring. You know, yeah, some guys had hit some balls hard off him. Yeah, he gave up the home run. But it, it just didn't feel like it was the right move at that point. You know, didn't let Goslin be a dog. You know, he, he let right. him be a cat kind of essentially there. And it kind of uh, kind of cost him, you know, you, you want them dogs, you know, Eric, uh, not the cats. Um, right. But it meant – and also to get into a little a little bit more too on last night, I mean, the emergence of Brandon Lau back into that lineup and, and potentially mm-hmm. what he brings to Tampa going oppo taco twice last night off the Dodgers. I mean, you could see some signs of him coming around there in the last couple games of the Astros series, but man, last night was his night. And if he can kind of, you know, he's not going to provide two home runs every game, the rest of the world series, but if you can, if you can get more production out of him, like he did last night, I mean, great opportunity here for Tampa still to find a way to get this thing done. I mean, you put him and a Rosarini in there together. I mean, at three and four or two and three, whatever they're batting him. I mean, yeah. you can't you can't ask for a better punch, and then you got Meadows up at the top of the order, well, and, and then Margot as well. Margot kind of heating up too right now. Right, um, two for three last you know, night. Yeah, I mean, Margot was killing it. Now, Grant had a little bit of a, a questionable, not a questionable, but kind of a they're a little maybe a little nervous about. You kind of look like you might have tweaked something, um, but you know, you brought up a, a Rosarena, and I mean, he has been so sweltering hot. It's almost like you can't expect that to continue. But you're still going to see him uh, continue to put up to put up good numbers because the guy is is on a, is obviously you know seeing the ball about as well as anybody in postseason history. I actually read something today, Eric. He is second in an all in all time in total bases in, a, in postseason history for it for one single postseason. Do you have a guess on who would be number one? Ooh. And he is a cardinal. Ooh, hmm. You know. I'm I there's two guys that potentially come to mind. Okay. Okay. And one of them it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bit of a stretch, but I feel like Carlos Beltron, when he played for the Cardinals, Ooh. 
that had, one magical year in 2013 when right. he single handedly beat the Pirates. Right. Yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it's probably not him, but it it's probably Pujols would be my my you know guess. Eric, you're you, you you actually struck out twice. I'll give you oh. I'll give you a second one. Two strike approach, man. Do you have a third guess? Give me give me the year. Then we'll see if we can. Uh, it was twenty. It was twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. You know, it makes me want to think of Lance Berkman in twenty twelve. I feel no, like he was no. twenty twelve. Was he not twenty twelve? He, he 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 was in twenty twelve. He was he right, was but... very hot in that in that no. series. But who who do you? And this is the this not just the not just the World Series, but the entire oh, the entire postseason. Let's see. Yes. Is it, is it David Freeze? It is David, David Freeze. Freeze. Ding, ding, ding. The yep. magical, the magical man, David Freeze, yep. coming through in the clutch with two strikes in the in the ninth against oh, Texas. And, and and then he does it again in extras, man. I mean, yeah. hey, I, dude, don't be wrong. Love David Freeze, man. Great clubhouse guy. Uh, like he came on like a house of cards for you guys, and then he he does what he. I mean, I loved him for his days with the Pirates, even in those bat some of those. 500 pirate teams. He just he just had a way about him. Just carried himself well. But yeah, David Freeze, 50 total bases. Woo. Randy Rosarena, 48. So a double from Rosarena, he'll tie it. I've got a feeling with at least three more games, and hopefully, you know, I mean, hey, it'd be great if it's only three if the Rays won them all. But, uh, he'll, um, he'll, you know, and, he's gonna he's gonna beat that record. Oh, for sure. There's no way he doesn't. There's absolutely no yeah. way. But but hear me out on this. How far away is Corey Seager away from this now? I mean, Ooh, you know what? Seager. He wasn't. He wasn't involved. I, I'll have to look this up real quick, man. I, I, I will go do some research as you're uh, exposing on what Corey because Seager's done. Which he's been hot. Corey Seager's been hot, and he's um, arguably been just as hot and crucial to the Dodgers as a Rony Ra- as a Rosa Rainey has been to the Rays. I mean, they're both at seven home runs right now in the postseason. So it's a race to see who's gonna who's gonna win that as well. I mean, Corey Seager is out there seeing beach balls coming in at him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, that, that pitch that he hit at last night against uh, Fairbanks, mm-hmm. I mean, he just sat on that thing and absolutely tattooed that baseball into center field, you know, which which brought the game back to being a little bit more of a, a baseball game. You were a little nervous at that point if you're Tampa. You're like, uh-oh, now it's 6-4 to four here in the uh, – in the really on it right now. Yeah, nice. um, and I'll I tell you what here, Eric, I've got the total bases in this 2020 playoff season here. He uh he's got a ways mm-hmm. to go. Where's he at? Not as far as you'd think. Now, Grant, also we should throw in that fact that Rose Rain has done that with a little more games because of the extra wild card series this year. But Corey Seager right. had four against Milwaukee, six against the Padres right. for ten. He had twenty six total bases in that in that seven game series with Atlanta. Um, so he's up to thirty. He has forty one. So he's you know he's about seven off of a Rosa Rain right now, but I mean one good game and he could be right up there with him too. I mean he hits a he hits a home run and a double and Rose Rainey goes over. He's only back one. I mean the way they're swinging the bat though, I feel like Rose Rainey is gonna end up winning that competition, but I wouldn't be surprised if both of them pass good oh, old Freed. David Freeze. Yeah. Man, too bad for old David Freeze, man. Love that guy. Oh, I, Absolutely oh, he's, love that guy. One of my one of my favorites. He's the the unsung hero of of the Cardinals, Cardinal Nation. Well, and he's a St. Louis guy too, which even makes it even right. better. You know, I'm like, man, just, I still remember hearing that story about him, and it's like, this guy's got it. Now let me, and, and he's just he's got a way about him too. Um, but Eric, we can talk about David Freeze all day, but let's get back into some of these, some of the guys <laughs> that are playing actually in, in the 2020 series. Um, 
Who is more important, though, to the Dodgers winning this thing, in your opinion? Is it Seager continuing to hit the way he is hitting, or is it Mookie Betts getting a little bit more hot? You know, he's starting to come on a little bit. Or would right. it be Bellinger, who's struggled all season, but now somehow in the last week and a half has really found his swing? Which of those three guys do you feel is more important to the Dodgers potentially uh, having success to win this series? I think the most important one's going to be bets at the top of the lineup of those three. But I'm going to argue the most important bat that has to turn it on for the Dodgers to win this series in the batting department is Max Muncy. Good. Good. I you know what? Like Great he, point. Great point. I feel like he is underperformed for who he is supposed to be and where he bats in that lineup. I mean, you look at what he did last night. I mean, he's over three. You, with a walk and a strikeout, I mean, you know what? You know what's forth. funny, Eric. Um, and I'm, I'm hearing have a little tr- problem with you hearing right now. Yeah. Can you hear me now? It's, what I'm hearing a lot of from him right now is I, I can't hear you right now. I hope I hear you in a second. He's walking <laughs> a ton. He is walking a ton right now. So he's seeing the ball, but he's he's not being aggressive at the plate, which is a is a little bit of a red flag that he's tentative right now. And when you hit him fourth in that lineup, you expect more production out of him, like you said. Right. Can you hear me now, though? I... Okay, perfect. Yeah, I mean, he's Famous, walking. Uh, was, that, was, was that Verizon, I think? For what? Can you hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. I have a now. Um, but like you said, with Muncie, like batting in, the, batting in the four hole, you're not necessarily looking for walks. You know, that, that's, that's what you want to, you know, in your, your one and two hole. And in your three and four holes and five, that's where you're looking to see the ball, drive the ball. You're not looking to take as many walks as you are just taking hacks, trying to get those runs in. And I just feel like if, if know, they're going to win, Max Muncy's got to get on fire. Because You know, though, Eric, I'll, I'll say this, though. Conventional thinking on that is that. But the way the game's played nowadays, I'm not necessarily sure that that's what you have to have all the time, you know. Um, because I mean, Muncy's hitting. Let's be honest, Muncy's hitting third and hitting fourth in that lineup due to the, having trying to do you know a righty lefty righty lefty righty lefty down through the lineup. Right. That's why he's hitting where he's at. You look at his postseason numbers to this point, though, Eric. In this, in the 2020, um, in, the, in 2020, in no series to this point is he hitting over 273. He went three for 15. Or excuse me, three for 11 against the Padres. He was. Five for 31 for a 227 average. Now, granted, he did have two home runs, and one of them was a big grand slam um, against the Braves, which was kind of a heartbreaker. But obviously, in that game, too, it was kind of in a garbage time um, type at bat. The Bra- you know, the Dodgers were kind of crushing at that point in time, already in the first inning. Didn't matter as big. Um, right. Now, granted, though, he has walked to this point in this playoffs 17 times. I mean, that's, that that's pretty impressive. Now, granted, he has struck out 18 times. So he's, he's – I feel like – you know, and I made this argument the other day. I think Muncy's getting some of these walks because he's hitting fourth for the Dodgers. Right. If he hit fourth for the Marlins or the Athletics or, God forbid, the Pirates. Right. He would not be – he would not have 17 walks. Nope. He's getting a little bit of a benefit of a friendly strike zone at times. Right. I think. But for where he's batting in that potent lineup, you, you would expect more from your four-hitter. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's absolutely. that's the key. I mean, they got they have Bellinger batting sixth. I mean, Bellinger. Well, I mean, you know, you know, Will Smith. I mean, do you expect Will Smith to keep this up? I sure as heck don't. Nope. But I mean, but but man, I mean, he is seeing the ball better than just about anybody in that Dodger lineup right now. 
Um, I mean, if I'm if and, I'm and like Dave said, Roberts, do you expect it? If I'm Dave Roberts, I, I think I go ahead. And I, I think I start mixing up my lineup there with from three through six down. I think I start mixing matching based upon who's seeing the ball the best right now. Just getting yeah. Seager I mean, and Betts in. I mean, Seager and Betts are, you know, Seager's OBP this series is over 500, and Mookie Betts is around 500 as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, those two are yeah. getting on base for him. They're just not driving them in as well as they should. If they're wanting to win. Well, you know, but you're also, but, well, yeah, because you're sitting there with Turner, who hasn't had a great, um, at least, especially World Series, and then Muncy's not doing well. So then you've got Smith and Bellinger, but sometimes. By that time, they're already they're already back in the dugout and they're leading off innings. Right. But you've got guys like Kike Hernandez who has stepped up big, um, and then Rios and Pollock have been pretty solid. Uh, you know, the guy right. who's been mashing the ball at least so far in the World Series is Chris Taylor. You know, maybe think oh. about moving him up and top up a little bit higher in the lineup, mm-hmm. slotting Mookie Mookie into the three hole Seager at the two. Maybe you go Bellinger four, Will Smith five. Um, you know, maybe Kike or Muncy six at that point in time. Um, right. But, you know, at the same time, it's tough to mess with success, too, though, Eric. You know, and the That's Dodgers true. continuing to win. So, now, Grant, he wants to mess with the bullpen, just didn't want to mess with the everyday players in the lineup, which I can understand that. Right. But hey, I, think let me hit point, you. I think at some oh, point, ahead. though, just to, just to kind of close on that, I think just mm-hmm. at some point, though, if, if you're not scoring or they're not producing exactly where they are, I think there's – I mean, think about if you said – at the start of this season, Cody Bellinger would be betting sixth in the Dodgers lineup in the World Series. I feel like everyone would laugh at that and be like, there's no way that guy's going to bat sixth. You know what I mean? They want Probably his not. bat. You know, you sit there and you're like, you, you're going to want his bat near the top of the lineup, whereas now he's in the bottom third of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, is, it, is, it is wild, the construction of that Dodger lineup. It just seems to be, you know, it, I'm not saying they're pulling for things. But as deep as it is to have a guy who and a few guys that have struggled to some extent, you know, you kind of wonder about it. Now, here's something I have to hit you with, Eric. <laughs> this happened last night in the ninth inning. And I don't think I've ever heard of this or ever seen this at any time in my life, this exact thing. Rays had double pinch runners. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, and I'm just like, are you serious right now? You know, now a Rosa Reina beat out a uh, beat out a uh, you know an infield single. They pinch ran for him. I think they pinch run for him because they didn't want to you know want to make sure everything's good. But also they were going to bring in Phillips for defense in left field. I didn't know Rosa Reina had some issues defensively, but I guess they really feel comfortable with Phillips out there. But yeah, pinch ran for Yanni Diaz with Renfro, kept the DH in play after Yanni Diaz you know pinch hit and stayed in the game to DH for Austin Meadows, and then you had. Phillips pinch running for Rosarena. Never seen anything like it in my life. And then at the, in the same at bat, Brosso is pinch hitting for uh for for, for G Man Choi. So I mean it's like the Rays just they don't give a shit, man. They'll use that bench oh. like it's going out of style. Oh, and I love it. That's that's what they have to do. When you're a small market team, that's what you have to do. I mean, I saw a stat or just a figure there yesterday. The Rays entire postseason lineup, I believe, is twenty eight mil. And just, yes. what is it, Betts and Kershaw to combine are 26 mil? I think it actually might be 29, Eric. Yeah. R- regardless, it's, it's like the entire <laughs> – you can have the entire Rays roster for the price of two players on the Dodgers. Oh, I mean, hey, there's third in payroll in the entire – like lowest payroll in all of baseball out of 30 teams. 
Right. Do you know twenty nine and thirty? Just off off the cuff. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be Pirates and A's. It's not the A's. You were right on the Pirates, though. Pirates, but I feel like I mean Seattle's pretty pretty okay. low. Let's just think about back to beginning of July. What team were me and you laughing at uh, harder than any team? Baltimore. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> Orioles and the Pirates. <laughs> I mean, so you know, you go from being the the Pirates who had the worst record, who will get the number one pick, and Kumar Rocker will be a stud on the North Shore here in the next five years. Eric, get ready for that. By the way, I know you're pumped for that. I'm um, not pumped for that at all because <laughs> the Cardinals just seem to forget how to hey. uh, manage their roster. So I'm not pumped for that. Hey, hey, well, I, I know I'm pumped for it. I'm sitting here wearing my black and gold. You know, here in, and we've been done for a month. Um, oh, back to Brian <laughs> Hayes, he's he's gonna be hey. a stud. Oh yeah, man, hey, dude. I hey, I mean, we could. If you want to turn this into some Bucko talk, we can do that here in just a second. I'll tell you that. But I, I'll say this: just to close on, on those two talk, on those two things right there. There is a decent little core coming with Key Brian Hayes. You get Josh Bell back together. Kumar Rocker in the rotation. Jamo comes back. Uh, it's it's. I think things will be better than they were this year. I think this was a good year to be like, for all intents and purposes, screw it right. and uh, have spring training 3.0 all year. Right. Now you get the number one pick. Although they're also talking about um, Al Leiter's son or maybe nephew or something, another Vanderbilt pitcher is potentially being a uh, the number one pick as well. Uh, I can't remember his first name now, but he's in the running too. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hey. And they kind of said Kumar Rocker's got the higher ceiling. But Leiter's kind of knows how to pitch and has got good stuff. And he obviously has that pedigree of his, you know, having family that's been in the show. Right. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, it'd be a, such a Pirates thing to do to not take the guy who ends up being a 10-time All-Star for the guy who ends up being a three-time All-Star. Uh, no, but hey, what if he's three-time All-Star what with us be the, before he – the, <laughs> the Pirate thing to do is get them up to the majors, have them there a year or two, let them kind of struggle, work things out, and then trade them – for them to be perennial like, like, all stars, like like, like last, last now, now and Meadows. And Meadows. Hey, That's hey, hey, now I'll tell you this. Hold on, now I'll, I'll go ahead with you and agree with Meadows. Although Meadows was a half season, okay. Um, and Glass now he was working things. And you know what, though, Eric, I'm still not totally sold that he's got it fully worked out. Right, Look at some of his outings here in the postseason. Yeah, he walks too many guys. <laughs> he really still doesn't have that third pitch, but. That fastball and that curveball are both so elite that if he has them both working on the same night, like he like he's had numerous times in his career, he can punch you out a couple times through the lineup. Right. And uh, hopefully he does that one more time. You know, and maybe that's where the Pirates are getting frustration. That, you know, he wasn't throwing strikes with the fastball. He, he obviously, you know, if you're not throwing strikes with the fastball, then you're not able to get guys – you're not ahead in the count, so you don't get guys chasing that curveball. And then you walk a ton and, you know, you got no juice at that point. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, I still, I think that, you know, I think what really hurt the Pirates was when they had, um, was it, was it, uh, Searage? Was he the pitching coach? Yeah, Ray Searage. I, I mean, he just, the, I, the blonde bomber. Man. I think he was all about, let's get, let's he, pitch he, to contact. Don't, yep. and, and just wasted hey, glass now and coal. I'll say this. I'll say, now, I wouldn't say wasted coal. <laughs> But, but Cole, Cole got like, better once he once he got to not throwing the two seamer, throwing more four seamers up. He was done with the Astros. So much untapped yeah, all, potential. Well, he was still so young though, too, Eric. At that point in time, you got to realize that too. I mean, right. hey, Garrett Cole was is was one of the reasons the Pirates broke that postseason streak, and he got the game one or game two win against the Cardinals. 
So, I mean, hey, I, they got some life out of Garrett Cole. I'll say that right now. But, I mean, no, you're, you're 100% correct, man. Those two dudes, you know, man, it's like when Tampa picks up the phone, you don't answer it. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, if they want to tra- I mean, if they want your player, you keep on – you keep whoever they want. Which brings me into what I want to talk about here, which is a Rosarena. I mean, we just talked about essentially got into the bucko talk and, and got into the, the trades. But let's talk about a Rosarena who, you know, to this point in the postseason, Eric, and kind of his emergence in general, man, like we, we knew he was talented, you know, and you knew that Libertor was talented as well, the pitching prospect that they uh, the Rays dealt to the Cardinals to get a Rosarena. But, I mean, is, do, did you know that or think this was sustainable – to have this kind of dominance from this guy when he was coming up through the Cardinal system. I still am on the camp that this time next year, a Rosa Rain will be that nice, awesome story from 2020. But I don't think he carries over this type of success year in and year out for, throughout the rest of his career. I think this is a – he's hitting a hot streak. He's living in the moment. He's shining when he needs to. And then come yeah. next year in the the draw, you know, the drag of a 162 game season, I think he'll become mm-hmm. just that. You know, I think he'll be like a 270 hitter, 280. I don't think he's going to hit nearly as many home runs. I mean, I don't think he was a home run hitter coming up with the Cardinals, but I think he's you know, seen the ball really well. Man, real interesting. You're bringing up the Cardinal. I, I think he might have the power, Eric. Just the he the way he hits at the off fields. I think he's got the power. I think he's developed the power at least. The hitting part of it, though, I'm with you. I mean, 280 to 300 is a good hitter if you're hitting, you know, if you extrapolate out seven homers in, in the postseason and seven in the in 2020 and in 64 at-bats. I mean, he's, you know, he's got about 125 at-bats and 14 homers. So do that over a whole season. He's probably a 30 to 40 homer guy, but he's hitting the 280s for you, like you said. Right. Um, I think that's more reasonable. I mean, hitting 361 is not going to continue to happen. It's just not going to. Um, oh no! Not, not with this... not with him. Like you, you put up. You if you told me, Luis Robert was doing this, or you know someone of that pedigree, I'd be like, yeah, maybe they could hit like three twenty. They could hit like three thirty. I mean, that's not unheard of. But I mean, Bryce Harper hit that that high in a season. Yeah. I mean, DJ LeMay hits like that. I mean, there are players who can do it, but I just don't see a Rosarena being that player who hits above three hundred. I will say this, though, Eric. One thing that I've really liked and what I've seen out of him, and, and you bring up good names talking about Luis Robert and some of the other names that, you know, had that higher pedigree than Rosarena. But he is 25. I think he's learned about hitting and has is, and is really kind of figured some stuff out because the way he hits the ball up and away, he averages about over 100, 101.6 on the exit V-level on pitches that are up and out of the zone. And he has two home runs on there. If you hang a curveball, or if you or if you get something up and into where he can really kind of turn on that thing, he's got some massive light tower type power. Then he can also take the ball up on on you too, like he did in San Diego a couple of times. I mean, is it is it fair to say that Rosarena's hot streak will either a or or him not continuing to stay hot is either going to a sink the Rays or if he continues to stay hot, it's going to propel him to the championship. Is is he the is he the X factor of X factors or is it still they have so many other guys that somebody else could really take up the slack like maybe a Brandon Loud did. I mean, I think that they – I think if a Rosarena just becomes serviceable the rest of the series, I think they can still win because Lau, he's back. You got Margot who's hitting very well, seeing the ball well, five home runs, you know, in the postseason. And, I mean, let's not sleep on uh, – Jimmy and Choi too. Yeah, you know. I literally was about Joe, to say, let's not what? sleep on Choi. 
I mean, what about old Joey Wendell? I mean, he had a big hit last night. Yeah. I mean, he's a very underrated player. And you know, another guy last night who had a big hit that I think is a sign of maybe good things to come. Willie Adamas roping that double down into the down the left field line there toward the eighth inning last night. I think it's a big hit. Get some little confidence because he's been struggling mightily um, at to this point in the postseason. Right. And then we're still forgetting about their, you know, ace in the hole with Austin Meadows. I mean, if Austin Meadows starts yeah. heating up, I mean that's 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 when I say game. If Austin Meadows yeah. starts hitting like he knows he can. I think Rays win. I think he's I mean, the ultimate you know, X factor, though. He is. It's wild. It, it is so wild that you bring it up because I mean Meadows has so much talent, and then you think about a guy like Hunter Renfro and Yandy Diaz. I mean those those three guys essentially platooning at DH last night to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I, they have they have more depth than anybody, and that includes the Dodgers, which is I don't think anybody would have thought they would say that. But the Rays have it, and they have it in just abundance too. So they have depth of above average players, whereas the, you know, the Dodgers. I even say I even say a better than above average, Eric. I'd say they're solid players. Right, but they don't have. They they don't have the top tier talent like the Dodgers do in Mookie Betts, the Corey Seegers, the Bellingers, those type players. I mean, that's where I think L.A. differs from Tampa. I think they're both deep, but they're deep in different aspects. That's, that's a good point. That's a real good point about them, kind of the Dodgers having that, that upper echelon, that stud type. And, you know, you didn't even, you didn't even mention Seager in that mix with them. I mean, Bellinger, Seager. And then, you know what, you could even kind of maybe – do you branch down the pitching to stay the same thing? Do you say right. – I mean, you know, Kershaw, big time, Bueller, supposedly big time. And then Snell and everybody else, but it's like everybody else is the stable is what it is. Or, right. you know, do, do you, you kind of look at it another way? I, th- I think I look at their pitching being very similar. I mean, you, you do have Kershaw, the big name, the big contract, whereas the Rays don't have any of that. But I think you can compare pitching very similarly. Although I, th- I still feel the Rays have better depth at you know, in the relief pitching. I think that's where they shine and where they're going to out-duel L.A. Um, to win this World Series. 100%. 100% agree, Eric. I mean, <laughs> when you can go Anderson, Fairbanks, Castillo, like they can, those three. And, you know, Loops looked pretty good to this point. And, you know, obviously if you want to throw in some some of the other names that they can, they, they can come out of that pen. Um, but, I mean, the Dodgers – other than Gonzalez and maybe Gratial, I mean, Joe Kelly's okay. You know, McGee's okay. I mean, I'm not necessarily sold on Jansen and, and, and Blake Trinian right now either. Right now. No. I, they both have felt a little leaky, whereas the the Rays to this point really have only had maybe one bad outing from Castillo and one bad outing from uh, Anderson, which he didn't really get ta- tagged too much in that outing. But, I mean, their bullpen's been stellar. Right, and that's where I think the the Rays will win this series is in the bullpens, because the the Dodgers bullpens are just not nearly on par with the Rays. I mean, it's just not. I mean, they have you know the more you know trendy names that people are going to recognize that the don't follow Kinley. You know, right? They got the flashy names, but the Rays have production, and that's what matters here in in the World Series. Oh yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, it, it's funny because now, if I'm not mistaken here, Eric, um, you know, you kind of look at 
if the Dodgers want to, it feels like the Dodgers kind of want to play the Rays game the way Roberts is managing right now, which is very, I'm not going to say uh, a mistake because I know, well, you know what it is a mistake. It's a mistake for him to try and play the same game Tampa's playing because it's not going to work for him. Not against right. Tampa. You can beat everybody else like that, but when you get to face off with the Rays like this, it's not going to work for you the same way that it did against the Padres who were depleted and the Braves who had really two starting pitchers. Right. And think about it. Three, but I mean, still. But you have to think about like this. The Rays have been doing this bullpen game for over a year now. They've been, they've been perfecting it and how to use these openers and everything like that. Whereas the Dodgers, I don't think I've ever seen them aside from, you know, here recently start using openers. Mm -hmm. They've just always had five good starters. I mean, really, it's before this year. I didn't. I never saw them do it. Well, like you said, the Rays were kind of the originator of this. Almost, back in 2018. Even, yeah, back in 2018. I mean, and to, I mean, they're so good at it now to where they only have three guys. Legitimately, you would only say three dudes in the rotation that you right. that you say, okay, well, that's a starting pitcher because right. Yarbrough you don't count as a starting pitcher. You know, nope. he goes about two he or three is. innings. He goes like two or three innings. Yeah. Ooh. Now he can give you a little more than that, Eric. Though, if if he can count warrants and if he's if he's going good but you're right I mean he's he's not a guy who you expect to go out there and give you much depth off the top I mean it just it, I mean they it, did it have Torinos too right, Torinos right. used to be able to go out there and throw like five or six innings but even still those aren't like guys you're like oh that's a starting pitcher it's like yeah it's kind of like a long relief guy for the most yeah. part yeah Set, kind of a kind of a mop-up kind of a you know in in different outings type starter you know blowout type of games one way or the other. Um, that's the kind of guy that they've got there. And that – now, I, Eric, you know, want to get into this real quick before we get out of here. I want to start looking at forward to the next set of – you know, this weekend set of games essentially, games three through five. Um, right. Is it more imperative for the Rays to come out of this thing holding the 3-2 lead or the Dodgers to come out of this holding the 3-2 series lead, in your opinion? I think – if the Rays come out with a 3-2 lead, they don't lose. Because regardless, they're going to have a game seven, and then they're going to get the third Charlie Morton. So right. I think it's I, I think it's almost – honestly, whoever gets the three, the three out of two, I think wins it. I don't think whoever's down two to three at the end of this, if there even is, you know, I mean, the series really could even end this weekend. I mean, potentially. Possibility. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. But I think whoever's up 3-2 wins the World Series. And I personally think it's going to be the Rays. I think the Rays win tomorrow. And then I think they they win that that game against Urias. And then I think Kershaw comes out and throws a a gem on Sunday. Yep. I think you're right. Which, which, I mean, it was kind of bringing up the point, which is like, Kershaw could literally have one of the better World Series and better postseason series that he's had in his career. And the right. Dodgers still might lose in this thing. Yep. It, it wouldn't shock at all. I mean, I'm not going to say that tomorrow night's game three is is the is the game that's the most important in this series, but it feels like it might be to some it's extent. Definitely a turning if, point. Yeah. Because it's 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 your two pretty much aces. I mean, Morton. I don't think they would classify as their ace, but to me, but he is. Morton he really is. is their ace. He's their he's the he's big a veteran guy, presence. Yep. yep, veteran presence in a veteran moment that you want him in against the 
really pretty much the Dodgers' ace. I know they got Kershaw, but I, I think Bueller is still their ace for them. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I would agree with you in saying that Bueller's kind of emerged and kind of slowly pa- the baton's been passed from Kershaw to Bueller in terms of being the ace for this Dodgers staff. And mm-hmm. and not to mention on your Morton point, I think the thing about Morton, which makes him, in my opinion, the ace of the Rays, is the fact that he's not gonna he's not gonna throw as many balls. He's not right. going to, you know, Snell and Glass now get the three ball counts excessively, right? And that's why those guys can't go and get into the fifth, sixth innings a lot of times. Whereas Morton, I'm expecting him Friday night to throw seven innings, maybe giving up a run or two. And then that's right. it. Because especially if he's, if he's keeping the ball, you know, down in the zone, which he's typically able to do, he, he's electric Chuck, man. And it goes back to his days as a bucko, man. I mean, he, he, he is, he is. The, the best type of guy, the best type of pitcher to have in big games like that because he's going to allow hitters to have that weak, soft contact up the middle. And they have no right. problem no problem with it. And the Rays I mean, defense is so good his, that they're going to make the play. He's been perfecting his craft for, what, thir- what is he, 37? Is that how old he is? He is, he is 37. Yeah. I mean, he's been perfecting his craft for in the majors for like, you know, 15 years. <laughs> I mean, he knows he knows what he's got to do. He's been, he's been here before. Oh, 15 years, Eric. I'm not that old. I mean, if he's thirty-seven, I mean, if he's no, thirty-seven. Chuck, here's the thing, Chuck. Chuck only he he was late coming into the show, Eric. He's probably only been in the major leagues now, maybe about ten years or so. Um, because he was maybe, a brave, he was a Braves farmhand, yeah, before right. his days with, as a pirate, yeah. But even so, I mean, he's been in this situation before with the Astros. He's been in those mm-hmm. decisive do or die games, and he's four and zero. I mean, yep. he knows how to put the team on his back when he needs to. And this is definitely one of those moments because, I mean, in all intents and purposes, this could be his last start in the postseason. Yeah. Oh, it, it very well could be. And so man, he, he just has that such a calm, cool demeanor that he knows he's got confidence in himself, man. I mean, think about this, Eric, real quick. Goes back to his first ever postseason start. You'll remember this. It's the home run that Holiday hits in game mm-hmm. four of the 2013, you know, NLDS. Two run right. homer. He walked Beltran before. You know, guess early about Beltran being the top total base. Guy. If you right. don't, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. He's been that good <laughs> since that point in his career in the postseason. He is. I don't feel like you know what I'm. You've got me curious now. I want to go in here and look at look at his numbers, but I do want to say this real quick, and I want to hear what you have to say about this. Who is the game four guy that you expect to match Urias to get the raise the win though? Whew, that's a good question. I think they go bullpen game. I mean. Just full bullpen. I mean, do you not have a bolt guy that you think is going to maybe carry the baton more than others? I mean, I don't know how you don't start it off, but but then he pitched last night, so I don't know. I mean, personally, I feel like if I'm the Rays, I think I'm going to go and I'm probably going to start. You know, maybe that Peter Fairbanks type guy mm-hmm. or Yarbrough, like one of those two. I feel like got to start for him, but at the same time, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Rays got start Nick Anderson. I mean, they seem to want to use him early in the game, get you know, get an inning or two out of him, maybe get a lead against Urias, and then just go full bullpen right after that. Yeah, yeah, which is, <laughs> I could I could easily see that being their strategy in this in this game without question. Right. I mean. Yeah. I mean. I mean, Nick Anderson, I mean, have they, I feel like they've used him to start games before. 
and I think and and I feel like he's he's so solid. I mean, every game you just look at him and you're like, he's probably gonna go out there and throw it, you know, you know, two innings through quality work. Yep. Against them, um, has Yarbrough? When, when did Yarbrough pitch last? Yarbrough, you know that's a, that's a good point. I feel like I haven't man. seen him. I don't think I've seen him since that five innings that he threw in uh, in game shoot, maybe game five or four of the the Astros so, series. So it looks like he threw point two innings against uh, LA on Tuesday. I don't I see I them well. You know what? I was probably I might have even checked out by that point in time in the evening. Right. Right. I, I mean, maybe you start Yarbrough. I think maybe you start Yarbrough. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's been there as the uh, opener, the bulk guy for the right, uh, right. Rays for most of his career for most of the past two years. I think maybe you start him. Then you then you bring in someone like Fairbanks or or Curtis or someone like that. I mean, Curtis. I, I, I could see that being this, the strategy for him. That wouldn't be a bad one. Curtis has been pretty good this year too. I mean, maybe you start him. I mean, at, at all. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, he pitched. Uh, I think he's. Let's see postseason stats here. He's uh, seven innings with. Uh, looks like one earned run over his. I mean. I That'll do it. That'll get the job done. That'll get the job done. So, Eric, I was able to come down here and pull up some Charlie Morton stats here. Okay. Right. Let's now, hear it. First, I want to tell you this one, though, real quick here. Charlie Morton is 40, was 45 and 70 at the start of his career when his one season in the show with the Braves and his time with the Pirates. He was 41 <laughs> and 62. So, Charlie Morton, Charlie Morton. <laughs> Since leaving the the Pirates, right? <laughs> he is forty eight and twenty seven as a major league pitcher. Ooh. Yeah, not not too shabby, right? Not is... too shabby. Wow, he really yeah. turned it around. He went to what? Did he go to Philly and then he went to Houston? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he went to Philly for a year. Um, to kind of try and I mean, essentially work things out, and he finally kind of figured it out with. Uh, once he got to Houston, right? Houston, man, they unlock pitchers. Yeah, they really. I don't know, if they, I don't know if they teach him how to cheat or what they what they do down there, but they've I got mean, an elixir of some sort, man. I don't understand it. <laughs> it's 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 baffling to it's some extent. Tra- but then tra- you think fans. about Charlie Morton in the postseason, Eric. He is seven and two in twelve starts. Or excuse me, seven and two in eleven starts. We all remember that one big relief appearance he had. Fifty-seven innings pitched, sixty-one Ks, forty-five hits allowed. Ground Chuck, man. I mean, he gets it done when the lights are the brightest. He's like the poor man's shilling, man. He just <laughs> needed to have a little bit better early part of his career. And you can be making the claims. I mean, you've heard people all week saying, Do you take Kershaw's career or Charlie Morton's? Well, obviously you take <clears> Kershaw's overall. But man, Charlie Morton gets it. But you take his postseason. But you take out. You put Charlie Morton in the the pressure games. I might be taking Charlie Morton as my starter over Kershaw. And you know, let's say they have a game seven, and you could choose those two. I mean, I might I might take Charlie Morton. Oh, I'm taking Ground Chuck all day in a game seven. Right. (laughs) He has a 2.84 ERA, seven and two 
and 11 starts in, 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 in October, man. I that's mean, that's, it's insane. That's lights out. It is lights out. I mean, it goes, like we said, it goes back to his first ever start in 2013 versus the Cardinals. I mean, you know, he had one, had one start there, almost one, almost got the Pirates into the NLCS, which my God, that would be a, the, the feat of all feats in my lifetime. Um, <laughs> you know, and then hey, I'd rather see that than another Cubs victory. Okay. Oh God. I'll, Thank I'll you. Get on that. Absolutely. Yes, please, please. Hey, let's just, let's just make a pact right here. Like if we could figure out a way to do it, let's hold the Cubs out from winning anything for the next, maybe to like 20, you could with 2050. Is that, is that cool? I, I think, I think maybe just the next century. I mean, maybe oh, we man, can just hold them out. I would just love nothing more to see the, the Cubs just never win another World Series in my lifetime. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because, man, they're going to – but they'll hang over – they'll hang 2016 over our ass until the Crows come. Oh, you know, you could win the, – the Pirates could win the next four years, but they'll be like, yeah, but we won in 2016, so none oh, of that matters. That damn, that damn twenty fifth, the passing the torch for them in twenty sixteen was beating was Arietta winning that wild card game. Is that ninety yeah, win Pirates not, team in twenty fifteen, Eric? Was was just as good as your hundred win Cardinal team was that year. And I think had they gotten a chance to play them instead of the Cubs, I think the Pirates would have got it done too that year. Y'all were fading down the stretch. Yeah, we still winning hundred games. <clears throat> I mean, that just seems to be the Cardinals' mo. Is we like to fade and we we kind of win, but we don't win very, you know, impressively. <laughs> you just kind of keep it but even when you do win world series like you know the wainwright year you just kind of you get in you find a way and then you get it done i am yeah. glad both of these teams though getting back to 2020 are have been the elite teams in baseball this year and so right. it, in, a, in a way <clears throat> it, it makes it fitting that we're going to see this thing come down to you know the two best teams now one thing i did want to ask you eric too how do you feel about the neutral site and the neutral aspect of this World Series to this point, and the playoffs in general? I don't mind it, but I I feel like it's definitely not as exhilarating to watch because you don't have those fans there giving you that feeling of, like, this is an intense moment. Like, yeah, you have some fans there, but imagine if, imagine if like, these games right now were in L.A. and they had those situations come up. Or imagine if they're in Tampa – I mean, just imagine the trop, just packed. When's the last time you Cow saw bells that? ringing all day? You know, right? When was the last time you saw the trop packed? I Pretty mean, much every every October. <laughs> right. and only, only October. Right. They need, but imagine they need a new stadium, but, man. They but imagine something. it in the World Series. I mean, that would just be oh, yeah. that's that's on another level. And imagine. It is. And- I remember when they played Philly in the World Series, and that place was – I mean, you couldn't hear. Right. But just think I, about, like, imagine what what would players be playing like if they had that environment? Would there be oh, yeah. more clutch moments? Would there be less clutch moments? Would, you know, would the umpire make a questionable, you know, called third strike? Would he be more apt to do that just to get the, you know, Even just to get that rouse out of the fans? I mean, there's so many factors that would that that make having fans there a more exciting experience than what's going on now. Now, I don't mind the the neutral site. I mean, that would be you know, it's nice. You know, no one necessarily gets an advantage, but same time, I I really liked how it was before. With hey man, that's know. hey old school in me. Baseball, I tell I want it, man. I want I want I want it to be 
the the best teams get that advantage of being the home team in the World Series. Get rid of that All Star Rule game, by the way. I'm so glad they got rid of that. You know, oh, be, thank God. And you know, I get why Seal did it, but it's better off to not be that way. Obviously. Um, I mean, I don't mind it. I didn't mind it when it was if you're ALNL, the winner gets the winner gets home field advantage. Where there, what was it? they? They switched it another year. They did something to where like the All Star game was meaningless. Oh yeah, it, so, Seelig tried so many things after that tie. The egg on the face in Milwaukee. Right. I mean, it, what what could you do? And, and in your home ballpark too, when it happened to him, I, you almost felt bad for Seelig. And that's and I would I never hardly ever right. say that. I'm. Although I think I might, funny this, I think I might like like Manfred less than I like Selig, honestly. Um, I cannot. I really can't stand Manfred. He's really tailoring the game to people who don't exactly. like the game. Good point. <laughs> That's the problem. He's like, well, how can we get level, people though, who don't like the game? Is, man. Oh, he's yeah. clown level. He he has reached the pinnacle of sports you know, commissioner clowns. Like, he is almost up there with Goodell. I'd say he's close, man. I, I mean, mean it, trying to tell teams they limit nothing. their shifting. Come on now. If a team wants to be dumb and, and you know, pitch a guy away and they don't have anybody, you know, on that side of the infield to have a guy just literally take the ball the other way, that's their prerogative. Why are you, why are you trying to limit right. people to, to what they can and can't do? And you're right, though, man. Right. He really is tailoring the game at times to people who don't love the game. Now, I get one to speed up the game. In terms of speeding up the pace of play, I'm okay with that. But you gotta. But I don't like the whole let's add a runner on second base. I'm glad they're not doing it in the postseason. Yeah. Well, you know, I think in, that was in like, I hope that doesn't continue to stay. I right. really don't. I I hope not. And see, I was at first, I was like, you know, I really don't like this whole DH, universal DH, but I guess I'm coming too, around buddy. to Me it. Too. I'm a band the DH guy from um, go, but something about this year, it felt okay i guess i don't know it didn't feel as bad as i thought it would be but i did like having that strategy in the nl where you know do you take i mean right do you take your pitcher out in the in the you know fifth inning if you're down two in a close game that you think you can win or the sixth inning and your guys out there dealing like you know, there's so much more strategy it, it, it just, to it. it just, I mean, you, know, you like, get a guy up at the plate. You know, you've got a you got a runner on second base. You got one out, and your pitcher's up. Do you? And you're up. And you're up right. a run. You know, in the sixth, you're up two to one. Are you, are you leaving him in? Are you taking him out? What's his pitch count at now? You don't have those questions. Which, you know, like like you said, I, I do miss that part of the strategy, the game, um, and not having that. I mean, I'm not saying it kind of lessens the game by any means. But it, it just it man it, it just doesn't give it that same feel and it allows for teams that have the, the better bullpens to kind of utilize them even more to be honest with you. Right. It's, you know. And I mean, the 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 nice thing too is it does allow for some of these older guys who can't play the field very well but can still hit to continue playing and have more opportunities. Like I, you know, not to get away from you know our raised Dodgers talk, but. For instance, I'm a big Albert Pujols fan. Love yep. the guy. Grew up, you know, favorite player. Now he plays for the Angels. But, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing the Cardinals just bring him back for like a one-year deal. Just let him do his yep. thing in St. Louis as the DH for a while. And just have the – like try and relive some of those glory days. I mean, some of those moments. You know let he him can, break records. still hit, man. And he can, and he can break some of right. the Cardinal uniform. I'm, I kind of with you on that. I would kind of like to see Pujols back. Um, and he's doing it now for the Angels in a little bit less of an – and a little bit less of a – maybe friendly atmosphere to him 
and you got show taking up some of those right. at bats and stuff, and then he's got to play first. And yeah, I can, I, I like that. You know, for for my purposes as a Pirates fan, I love it because I mean we have two. We have a stud corner corner defensive infielder now, and a guy who can swing the bat and Hayes, and then you have Bell and Moran who you can who can play first and DH both of them. It works out very well for my team, so I like it. I do miss seeing a guy like Cologne hit a bomb, though, man. I do, I do, I really do. I mean, right, and and Mad Bum, oh, yeah, Mad Bum coming up with bombs. I mean, I mean, just to see a pitcher when a pitcher gets a hit, it was just something. It was it was magical, man. There's no other word for it, you know. Right. It really was. And then you have to go bomb. Just man, even just the the lack of bunting now. I mean, pitch at least in the NL pitching, you used to, you know, move runners along and stuff. You don't have that with a DH. So it's – but it, the word is magical, man. When a pitcher got a little base knock up the middle or something, you're just like, man, the stars aligned. You know, and the baseball gods were right. happy. I mean, it, the, the the one thing I will say the DH has taken away, takes away small ball. It does. There's no question. A but lot. teams don't want to play it anyway, Eric, and that's part of the problem with – I'm not saying a part of the problem with the game, but it's just not the way the game used to be, you know. Right, because think about it. If you, if they implemented that runner on second rule in the extra innings, you know, say ten years ago, why are why are you you say in the bottom half of the inning you're still tied? Why are you not bunting the guy over to third and then just banking on a sack fly or anything just to get him in? Instead, they're out there swinging away. People are striking out, getting that first out, and then they finally move him over. And then by that time, they hit a fly ball in the outfield, and the inning's over. <laughs> they did that so often in extra innings this year, and like I heard people getting on a rod in the postseason because he was talking about bunning. And I'm like, guys, bunning is a part of the game. Whether you like it or not, right. a la- the bunning, bunning is a part of baseball and will always be a part it's an of art. It is an art. And if you do it well, y- you, you hang around a lot longer than if you can't. Right. I mean, and, and it, I mean it's, it's – you have to be able to do it. And, and now, granted, people don't want you to do it anymore, but t- people that can do it, are you know more successful and more versatile, and those teams probably win more games. Although, then again, did the Rays bunt all year? No. Did the Dodgers? Did the Dodgers <laughs> bunt all year? No. So I mean, in reality, maybe the game has changed. And still, uh, kind of some OG, we're in that old awkward, guys when it comes uh, to the game of baseball. We're in that awkward phase of baseball where we've seen both sides of it. Yeah, <laughs> I know what I'll tell you. What I, I mean, as much as I love the quality of the games now and the people throwing, you know, filthy stuff and balls leaving the yard. There's a part of me that misses that 90s baseball nostalgia. Right. You know, just seeing Tony Gwynn take the ball the other way or seeing, a, you know, Kevin Brown just look filthy. I saw his name resurface on the telecast <laughs> yesterday about World Series, like, being terrible. And I'm like, man. But, hey, but if you're on that list like Kershaw maybe still is in terms of ERA, you have to be pretty good to pitch that many games in a World uh, Series. That's so, true. Not a bad list to be in. That's true. Eric, I want – I did want to get into something real quick with you, man. Um, it kind of teased it at the top for people on the on the beginning. Big Mountaineer fan, man. And I wanted to get your thoughts on where we're at um, because I know, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about this. And I wanted to get kind of where you felt the team was at and where you thought it might finish. Um, I know you've been real big on the defense so far this year. So I kind of wanted to get your take on that real quick as we close Oh, yeah. Out, big Mountaineer fan. Watch every game. You know, our defense is – Absolutely stacked, in my opinion. I mean, you got the Stills brothers, and you got Akeem Mesador there on the line. I mean, they're just menacing for those offensive lines. I think Akeem Mesador. If is I'm special. not mistaken, I'm going to pull up this stat. In the second half against Kansas, I want to say they only had 40 yards 
thereabouts for that whole less less than less that than less than that in the second but half. see that's heard this today 17. 17 that's all you have to hear right there to say 17. that's a d1 program that's not like we're out there playing you know some little right, we're not playing some pud <laughs> school we're not playing a team over in the you know the mac or something like that i mean we're playing a team that gets d1 recruits yeah they might not be the best Granted, it right. was Kansas, I mean, they're not the best, and they did lose to a Sun they're Belt team this year. They're not the best, year, but... the best D1 school out there. But that's still that's D1 town. They got Puka Williams, who also, by the way, after our game, just said is sit out the rest of the season. Opt, opted out. I yeah, mean, he. I mean, maybe we just we maybe we just put him to that spot, right. man. He just is like, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. That defense was too good. It was did not have my normal day that I have against right. the Mountaineers. Time to go home for the, till till you know till next, till next spring. I mean, it doesn't count against his eligibility, anyways. But you look at our you look at our. Uh, he's going pro. He probably will. <laughs> I mean, he's good enough. I think. But yeah. he's but our defense yeah. is that good to where I think if our offense can just make I, I know they were saying it on the telecast just make the routine plays. If make the catches, man, make the routine plays. We're in that baseball mode. Right. Make the if play. Day can exactly. make the routine throws, and you know he doesn't have to be a Will Greer, Geno Smith in his prime type of quarterback. He just needs to be above replacement level. I mean, last game. He needs to be better than Skylar Howard. I mean, last game, I know, I don't know if you're in that group chat or not, but I was voicing my frustration with Deggy, and I'm, it was, I think you were. Yes, you I were. am, and I and I was, and I kept right. telling you guys just continue to, to to hang in there. My, we were going to get it. My, done, su- you know? my suggestion is, but even <laughs> that last drive, for instance, I think why not throw in one of your other quarterbacks? Just see what he does. Just see what they do against that Kansas defense. Mm-hmm. Just to see, you know, okay, Deggy, you might not have had it today. You might not have had it the past two weeks, honestly, but you know, here, let's just let it. Win. Give somebody else another look on film. Something else for right. somebody else to look let at. Them, let them get some different reads. Maybe, you know, you throw in – even Austin Kendall, maybe you throw him in. He's like, hey, you know what? I saw this. I picked up on this. Here's some things you can look at. I mean, just to get some different perspective. I mean, yeah, Garrett Green might not be ready for the prime time and the show and all this stuff. But, like, what what's the harm in throwing him out there in games where it's not going to affect his eligibility? I mean, I mean, here's what maybe throw him out there in a few These games this year are for free. Yeah, allow him allow him to maybe use his feet occasionally here and there. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because he he has the talent. I think, and like you said, the only way to get experience experience without question. You know, Um, so one last question here for you, Eric, and we'll get you out of here, man. Um, Over under six and a half wins for the Mountaineers this year. We sit at three and one currently at the moment. Six and a half, and we got what? We got six games left, if I'm not mistaken. We have, we do have six games left. Four consecutive games starting Saturday with Texas Tech, uh, before a bye with before Oklahoma on Thanksgiving, and then Iowa State to finish up. You have Texas Tech, K State at home on Halloween at Texas, and then TCU before that Oklahoma. And All right, I'm, I'm going to run through these games and what I think is going to happen. I think we beat. I think we beat Texas Tech this weekend. I mean, I know it's at Texas Tech. We opened up, I think, as what, three-point favorites, three-and-a-half? We actually, Eric, we actually opened up as a one-point dog, and the line flipped to us being a three-point right. favorite. Right, okay. That's what I saw then. I saw the three-point favorite. 
Public's heavy on So, this. I yeah. mean, yeah. Texas Tech's pretty banged up. Pretty sure they're starting a uh, backup quarterback this week or starting someone new at least. Their defenses look leaky. Yeah. I think it's enough for our defense to hold them, and our offense has put up about 28 to 35 points, somewhere around there. I think we pull up the W and get the win down in yep. Lubbock. Then we post Kansas State. Mm-hmm. See, that's a team where I like to put them on even keel against WVU. They're very similar teams, very defensive-minded teams this year. Mm-hmm. They kind of got sub subpar to average offenses. You know, they're not going to light up the scoreboard against you, but they're going to get their points. But I think at home, we yep. got some. We got a crowd now. I think WVU pulls off a very close win. So I think we're at five and one after. After K State, then we traveled to Texas, San Unger. I, I just don't know that we pull out the W at Texas. I know we're really good at winning at Texas, but not, but not playing them well at home. I could see a chance of us winning that, but I just think that with the Texas's, you know, experience from what they've had in the past, I, I I just see it being a really close game that we just are unable to pull out. I'm I'm with you on that, especially with Ellinger maybe having that revenge factor from losing his right. start, and we we're giving the horns down in in Austin. So yeah, I, well, I can see where I you're mean, going there. Flip side, I think a flip side, I think that's a game for whatever reason. WV has just like penciled in as like that's our penultimate you know rival. Like that's a True. that's a game True. that WV gets up for every single year. So I mean, I could see it, but like I said, I don't think we're gonna win that. But then we get TC at home. Mm-hmm. I know Gary Patterson yeah. always puts up a tough fight for us, but I really just don't see what TCU has this year that makes them that makes me scared of them. Um, I'm with I mean, you. let's see. 100%. They played. They did. They lost to K State. They did beat Texas, which was pretty big. Um, yep. But other than that, I mean, they're a tough team. But being at home, those right. That, that's what that I'm saying. Too. I think I think mm-hmm. we pull that game out against them. And so then we sit at what six and two, six and two with Oklahoma after a right. bye at home for our senior day, and then a, a trip to Ames to play Iowa. State. And this is where it gets kind of kind of scary because Oklahoma's not been themselves this year. But but what scares me though oh. is you get um, what is his name? Is it Spencer Rattler? You get old Spencer Rattler another month yep. before that. Game. I think if we yeah. played, he could be if we had played Oklahoma at the beginning of the season when Spencer Rattler's trying to get a hold of the college speed of the game, I'd say we have a better chance. Like if we played him this weekend, I'd be like, yeah, we could beat them. But you give you give him another month in Lincoln Riley's offense. I mean, that's just going to be a tough ask for us. And, and I know I do like our D line against. I do, I do too. Season. I mean. I like our defense yeah. playing well, but I just don't know if our offense can hang with them. I mean, if they're going to, yeah, if, if we don't create turnovers in that game, it, right. it will be a tough. And because the other problem I've seen with our offense is we, they put our defense in bad situations. Sometimes our worst defense is our offense because we'll, we'll turn the ball over yep. on, you know, our side of the field. And then they got some great field position. Then our defense has been able to step up and hold them to a field goal or less. They haven't really turned that many of our turnovers into touchdowns. I know, you know, was it two weeks ago? Was it two weeks ago? Because we didn't play this last weekend. The Baylor game. The Baylor game. They yeah. had that. Or, they had a couple. Well, no, it was the, it was the, missing, it was the Kansas game, goals. too, where Kansas, you know, we had that 
probably could have been an interception, but it got tipped to their receiver off of a turnover. So, I mean, right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The Nick Troy Fortune. Right. Which was a great play yeah. by Fortune. 100%. But, you know, just tough luck. Well, and, and they got the three points, and they got the three points off of the initial TJ Simmons fumble. They get the ball right. like so, I mean, 40. So, you can't ask 100%. much more of our defense I mean, in that game. But, like, I think that's going to be the deciding factor. I think we keep it close with Oklahoma. I think there's a there's a chance we can win. But if I'm a betting man, I think Oklahoma beats right. us, unfortunately. The, you know, mm-hmm. And I know you are a betting man. So we'll <laughs> right. You know, they we'll beat us for that. the 80th time in a row, it seems. Yep. Um, and then we, <laughs> then we get then the, then finale, the finale at Iowa State. So I watched that Iowa State game when they lost to Louisiana. And let me tell you, that was just one of the worst showings I think I've ever seen from Iowa State. And, you know, they'll never play that terrible against WVU because that's just our luck. And unfortunately, I feel like, you know, December 5th game, late in the season, Iowa State's probably going to still be ranked. They're a pretty solid team. I don't, I don't, I don't think we pull that one out on the road. I think we end up at 6-4 and four on the season. So I'm gonna take the, the under. It's a very close. You know, six and a half is that yeah. is a tough one. If you say five and a half, I'm gonna tell you over all day. If you say seven and a half, I'm gonna take the under all day. But we're we're gonna get yeah. six or seven wins. And I think we're I'm trusting in the climb. I like what Neil Brown's bringing to that West Virginia culture. I hope that we become a defensive minded team. I mean, you look at all the great teams right now, and their defenses are outstanding yeah they have pretty good offenses too but you look at alabama in the heydays he's like within this past decade they've had some pretty terrible offensive teams and still won because their defense is just that good and if they can score defense in a running game defense in a running game is a a dna and pedigree for winning championships without questionnaire because if you can control the clock in college football you're gonna win because Oh yeah, because every because most people right. want to go so fast. If you if you decide to slow it down and kind of bludgeon mm-hmm. people, I mean, look what look what Harbaugh did at Stanford yep. there initially. You know, if you had and especially in a league that likes to go fast like the Big Twelve, if Brown builds that that defensive DNA like he's attempting to do right now, man, right. because you look be at you look at what happens in the Big Twelve if, if other teams don't pay attention to the defense like we do. And you just have an above average offense or, or an offense that just runs the ball down your throat and runs it effectively, you're going to score points against those Big 12 defenses. And then if your defense is already, you know, top tier, you can slow down those offenses enough to win 90% of those games. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, and truly, that's kind of what Iowa State's attempting to do. That's what, you know, that's what TCU has done for a while. That's what, K-State's done when they had Klein mm-hmm. was good. That's what I think Neil Brown's trying to build here. And you think about West Virginia football in general, and we've been really, really good. We're able to run the football with explosive playmakers on the outside, and we can play defense. Kneeling through Rich all the way up, you know, in a couple years, Dana, the Dana's best year ever, 10-win season. Right. When he had a and great you look at You look at when we're you know, bad. Scott Howard and, and was able to win. You look at when we're bad. Howard. It's when we have great – like, the problem with West Virginia – these past few years, especially under Daniel Holgerson, is we either had one side of the ball. We never had all three sides of the ball be effective. We either had a great defense and a subpar yep. offense, or we had a great offense and a subpar defense. Think about our first year in the Big 12, that 70 to 63 game yep. against Baylor. I mean, no defense whatsoever that game. None. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And then and then you go and you beat Texas 45-42, and then right. boom, you, you get down to Texas straight. Tech and it's, get walled from uh, – hey. So let's 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 not talk about right. that this week, Eric. Okay, let's let's save that for right. next week. Let's talk about prior, us actually right? going down to love. Hey, you know who the quarterback was in that game, though. You know who that quarterback was, was it in Patrick that game Holmes? for Texas Tech, though. Was it Baker? No, no. The quarterback in that game, and we was got blown out. No, it was Mr. Seth Davies. Oh wow! Was the quarterback for Texas Tech when they beat our ass? Full circle. Back in um in in full back circle. That year. Yep. Oh yeah, it comes. Hey man, and hopefully Deggy will uh, pull a full circle on him uh, Saturday at five thirty. Man, I know you'll oh, be, be all over me too, buddy. Hey, till then, till then, Eric, man, we're gonna continue to keep watching World Series. Uh, you know, we're gonna have an interesting dilemma on our hands Saturday night for a minute there. I think as West Virginia's finishing up and the first pitch is uh kind of getting close to Game Four there in Tampa. Hopefully, it's two to one, so we can feel a little confident about right. Or hopefully, or WV's blowing out Texas Tech. Right, I'll feel bad flipping it over. And knowing the games and the better point. I like that even better. <laughs> I like that even better. <laughs> well, brother, I appreciate you joining me, man. Well, you too, time, man. Take it easy. I'll talk. I'll uh, catch you later. All right, brother. Uh, we, we, we will, uh, we, once, once the Rays have this parade, we'll, we'll probably, you know, or maybe even before then, man, we might have to coax another, uh, another win out of them here and, we'll and, to, and do a little podcast here before, before the series. Have is to all, give them a little whisper for the Rays win. A little, hey man, just, just keep whispering to those rays till they uh till they win that.